This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It's over. Yes, that's right. It is. It's over. Give yourselves a pat on the back because it's been a long one. But Michael Stockley, 50 games and out. Yeah, uh, thank God. <laughs> uh, I'm, I literally, I mean, the last few weeks I've been hard recording. I'm not going to lie, Dan. Like, if somebody would have said to me, right, we, we'll cut the season three weeks ago, we'll stop the podcast for, for the summer, I would have gone, yeah, no problem. Because we, 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 we want to be you know, good in terms of the content we want to talk honestly and not be completely and utterly doom merchants. But you've got to call what you see, as we've said a number of times this year, and it's been a pretty crap year. So, um, yeah, I, I'm not bothered to see the back of this season whatsoever. Talking of pretty crap, let's get into the Watford away game before to, uh, to wrap the season up. So we've gone down there. Last game of the season, a game that we have in our recent history done very well in. 12 years unbeaten on the last day, no matter what season we've had, even that awful one when we got relegated from the Premier League, we still managed to win on the last day. But not to be. They've, they've gone and taken another proud record away from this, this group of players. Um, I, what what were your thoughts on on the match, Mike? Anything you've sort of picked up to, fa- to anything different from what we've seen in the previous, you know, half a dozen games? Um, I think we actually started better. Uh, I mean, I know uh, Pearson had that shot, which the goalkeeper went for a Hollywood save. Uh, it was never causing any problems, but I thought we started better, mate. But but again, I think. Alex Neal actually said it. As soon as they get their goal, we just switch off, crumble, whatever you want to say. I mean, Watford were not great. Let's not pretend they ran us off the pitch because they didn't. Uh, It was a typical end-of-season game where either team was just going through the motions, trying to not get injured um, and close out the season. I mean, Sarkic made a couple of good saves. Obviously, there was a few times that that they kind of played a bit of a killer pass uh, through our defence, through the middle of defence, and then Sarkic managed to come to the rescue a little bit. Um, so again, the little that we've seen of him, at least was positive uh, against Watford. 
Um, I just think, you know, the last few weeks, especially, Dan, we've been seeing a lot of frailties um, in this defence, more so than I think earlier on in the season. You know, Jagielka's looked slow and out of out of all sorts, whether the fact that he knew he wasn't being retained uh, past this season and he's kind of half switched off, I don't know. Uh, we know Morgan Fox is, well, was <laughs> an average defender for us uh, at best uh, over the course of his career. So, you know, we're, we're missing Wilmot in there. We're missing a proper left back. Um, yeah, it was, it was just a bit of a nothing game, Dan, and probably just by saying we lost 2-0 and let's move on is probably the best play, place to go, but we won't be quite that harsh. No, it's been... It's been a strange season, hasn't it? We've had they've had a lot of the ball in a lot of games, but not really threatened anywhere near as much as they should have done. Like I say, what this game did seem a bit bit different. Maybe like I say, we did first half they did seem to be getting chances away. Lorenz, Smallbone, Campbell all made it forced to keep it to make saves. You know, nothing too strenuous, but you know the keeper had to save it nonetheless. And then just seeing that, like I said, counter goals, if you like, from Watford. Um, and that was it. The, the game was gone. Another defeat. I mean, that's 21 defeats this season now, Mike, which is the same amount as Wigan, who finished. And if you take yeah. Reading's, take Reading's points, um, the, the, the points they were deducted, without that, Cardiff would have gone down on 49 points. We only ended up on 53. <laughs> it's a shambles isn't it really like, let's be honest it, I mean I was on Radio Stoke the other night and uh, they asked me what I thought of the season and, and I said well to call it a disappointment is an understatement I mean I don't, I don't actually it, is, is the word disastrous is that a more of a, an apt reflection of where we finished this season I mean last year I thought you know we weren't great by any stretch I thought there's no way we're going to finish any any lower than that and somehow we've managed to do it we know we've broken the record for not losing on the last game of the season for about 300 years. You know, we've we've broken a number of different records throughout the season we didn't want. We're looking frail as a team who, again, as a team, is probably even a bit of a joke considering what we've actually got left going into into next season. But um, I don't know. I'm, I'm struggling to find positives and we'll, we'll have a proper season review probably next week. But um, I'm struggling to find positives, Dan. And, you know, you mentioned the goals in the game. I barely even remember the first goal, if I'm honest, off the top of my head. The one that does stick in my head was the uh, the second goal of theirs. Uh, I mean, the way which he's just walked into the box, done one little shimmy that a Sunday League player could have done, and got past Morgan Fox, who sticks, you know, half horse sticks out of a foot and, you know, just fumbles it into the bottom corner. Sarkic can't really do anything there, but it, I mean, maybe that's the reason why he's been released today, because it's just... He's not good enough. He really isn't. He's stepped up this year, and all credit to him for doing an actual average championship player's job rather than a League Two standard for once. But it's yeah, it, it was it was a poor defender, and that's been kind. Yeah, like I say I think the first goal Sark it just come out and he's you know, the guy who's gone down, sort of pushed the ball away. It's fell to a, a Watford player, and he sort of. You know, Sarkis gone back up, got back up, trying to get back into his goal, and the guys killed it round him and in, in off the post. Um, 
lousy. Yeah, so good, good finish. Yeah, you know, I think they were both good finishes, weren't they? They were both quite clinical. And um, I mean, Keenan Davis there, he's obviously he's going to return back to uh, Aston Villa, isn't he, this summer? And no doubt he will be farmed out on loan again next year because he's not good enough for Villa. But like I say, I think they want quite a bit of money for him, don't they, to sell and nobody's stumping that cash up. So could he be the answer to our forward line problems? Could, could, um, should he be on the radar? Absolutely, he should. Uh, I think he will be. We, we know what this club's like when we get our teeth into a player. We very rarely let go at the first sign of weakness. So I think we will 100% be back in Van loan. The problem we're going to have again is so will other teams. Now, anyone coming down from the Premier League, you know, you go, again, who the hell's going to come down? But let's just say Leicester come down. Um, I mean, we've obviously got Southampton coming down. Southampton, probably not that type of a player because they want, you know, the pass the ball around fancy. You know, Keenan Davis can do the pretty stuff, but he's he's a great target man for me. So I think if we had him up front, we had Tyrese Campbell on the left and then a num- a, another new player on the right. If we play, or at least have the option to play in that way, I think he could be a really good value in Let's face it, the, the, the alternatives in that target man-ish type position are few and far between. Yeah, there isn't many, is there? Um, <clears throat> I think as well with Southampton, I mean, obviously it depends who's in charge there and what they want to play, but there's quite a few forwards. I think they've got something like about 10 attacking players in their squad. So you'd imagine people like Che Adams and that would leave, but I'd exp- I can't see anyone coming in really for Adam Armstrong. He had his, you know, the, the most successful time of his career was spent at Blackburn, wasn't it, in the Championship? So they'll probably be leading the line with him next year and you know, probably a Wal- I can probably see Walcott staying there. Um, and then obviously, you know, there's, there's, like I say, quite a few of other strikers. So they will probably be looking elsewhere, I reckon, like I say. There's going to be, like I say, there'll be competition for players like Davies and Stoke have just got to make sure that they make themselves as attractive as possible. Um, including that, you know, having a, a good run into the season to get some momentum. Oh no, hang on, no, that, that didn't happen, did it? <laughs> uh, so yeah, that that was that, that ship sailed. <laughs> the good, the good, the good end to the season, didn't it? Yeah, well, like, like you said, we'll, we'll we'll get into the to players and stuff. Um, probably probably on next week's, I guess, Dan, when we have a bit more. Yeah, I think just just let. Stuff. Yeah, I think just to let people know the the plan. Um, as far as we are aware, is we're gonna uh, we've got some invites gone out for some you know some people to join us, uh, some of your pod your favourites uh, voices who you've heard over the season, and uh, we're gonna sit down and dissect the squad as it has been this season, um, probably rate the players individually, and then also you know what's left, what do we need, what type of player should we be looking at, and probably throwing some names about. And maybe putting a bit of a shopping list together, and that'll probably be hitting your podcast feeds next Friday if all goes to plan. Um, so yeah, so we'll get, like I say, we'll get to, into that in depth for that podcast. You know, we've got to keep you, give you something to listen to through the summer, haven't we? <laughs> um, just finish off with this Watford game, mate. I think the there's four youngsters on the bench, and they had a grand total of one minute between them which was Connor Taylor. Can you make sense of that final day of the season? Nothing to play for. 
got two sides, like I say, with nothing. It wasn't as if Watford could have gone up or gone down on the back, you know, on the back of this result. Could he not have chucked you know, Lewis Macari on for 20 minutes or Jacob Holland Wilkinson um, could have had 20? I think they were just there to to make up numbers. I think you know, that Wilkinson, for example, obviously he's one of the people who have been released, which we'll talk about shortly, but like, it says everything that. He was clearly never good enough. He was there to make up a number on a bench. Um, and with you, I think you, what would we have really, what harm would there have been? Like we could have learned a little bit about these players, and again, at the same time, in the same breath, if you know that Howard Wilkinson, you know, comes on, uh, if Wilkinson comes on the pitch and scores three goals, um, yes, people are going, oh, he's the next Wright Phillips or whatever to come off the back of it, but but yeah, why not? Why not start Taylor, give him sixty minutes from the off or or whatever it is. So. I like to defend Alex Neal because I still think, you know, I want to judge him next season. But he does make it hard sometimes when when, when you, he makes decisions like that. We had such an opportunity to, you know, blood some youngsters, give them some minutes, um, even if it's just experience to see if they, if they have an absolute shocker, then, okay, you can turn around and go, okay, they're not right ready yet. But what has he learned from that? Absolutely nothing. He's learned how they can, I don't know, put, put the shirt on before a game. Um <laughs> Uh, you know they, 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 they're they capable of sitting on a on a bench and being a good boy like what what's he learned well this is it, it? I mean, Lewis Macari could have come on at right backs Badly Morgan could have come on you know as one of the centre especially you know Jagielka and Fox have been released so why not stick you know Luke Badly Morgan in as, as a centre half for the last 20 minutes that surely you're going to learn more from that than you are Two players who you 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 releasing three days later. Well, actually, I think I think what we during my time sporting Stoke, which is from a sins rapidly approaching thirty years, I think Michael O'Neill is the only manager, maybe Johan Boskamp's season as well, the only managers who have not been afraid to throw youth in, and have just happily just gone yeah. If you, you know, if they think they're good enough, get them in the team. And whether whether a lot of that with O'Neill was forced upon him due to restrictions and whatever, but I still think he had the he had the courage to give youngsters chances and be willing to let them go and make mistakes. If they if they did do that, and I think with Alex Neal, he's very much he's very much down the sort of the the Tony Pulis probably Gary Rowers kind of way of doing things of you want tried and tested players, players who know the know uh the game, the you know, made mistakes for other teams and now they come to me a bit more finished and polished. I think that's sort of Alex Neal's sort of more his way of thinking. Because I think if he was if he was majorly interested in youth, I think, you know, like I said, then kids would have had more more time, wouldn't they, in this game especially. He might be thinking, I mean, I think you need a blend of both. I think you need experience and youth and, you know, people who are hungry to come off the bench and make it a, an impression, not just, you know, make up a number from the final 20 games. I think you do need a blend. Um, I also do feel for managers in the sense, especially Stoke City managers in recent years, where you've got to have pretty much instant success. And if you don't get it, uh, you're out the door because you get hounded out. Uh, I think if yep. we were in a more 
patient world and let's first face it, football isn't patient. It never has been, especially in recent years. But he hasn't got the luxury of building a team for the next four or five years because the owners want success. The fans obviously want success. So you've got to balance, well, do we want instant success and sacrifice some youth and hope we get lucky with one or two of, of the young players? Or do you want to go for hard-proven players and get promoted quicker? I know what the fans would say. Yeah, because that, that's a very good point, actually. Like, why should he be interested in kids who are 17, 18, 19 years old, getting them ready to be first-team regulars in the next in two years' time when he might be out of a job in eight months unless he yeah, gets results. Yeah. So, yeah, what, what, why all you be doing is preparing him for the next manager or even the next manager after that. <laughs> um, right, rounding up on Watford, because I think we've we've managed to drag this out long enough, Mark. I think we've done a good job there, mate. We've done very good, <laughs> haven't we, eh? <laughs> yeah. Uh, man of the match, Paul. It was another bleak affair. Uh, the fans run away with it. Four four different people nominated the fans. Uh, so there's four feeds and uh, got like half the votes. So well done. Well done to anyone who attended that game. I think you much deserve the, the award for um, pe- people of the match, men, woman, man, woman and child of the match. Well done. Uh, of the actual players on the pitch, uh, Sterling with his back-to-back man of the matches. Ended the season well before he no doubt goes sign for some other championship side next year. Uh, so, yeah, Dujon was runaway man of the match. Uh, Josh Loren picked up a few votes, enough to get him second. And Ben Pierce, on his final final appearance for now, got third. Well, uh, Dujon really caught in the mustard, buddy, mate. He was, yes. Yeah. Thought I'd get that last one in there for, for Dujon, just in case he doesn't come back. <laughs> Uh, starting to shine. Yeah, uh, yeah, for, actually, yes. For, for anyone who doesn't know, like I said, I was on Radio Stoke last night, and Dan gave me the task of um, dropping in as many song titles as I could into the conversation. Uh, now, what he doesn't realise is it's very difficult when you're trying to get have an honest and serious conversation. Um, <laughs> trying to, to remember to do that, I got a few in. Uh, I think I got three or four in. Um, if you want to go back to BBC Sounds, it would have been, I don't know, about 20 past six yesterday. Uh, by, by yesterday, I mean Wednesday. Um, so, yeah, if you want to go and have a li- listen out for them, then sounds great. <laughs> but just to, just to point out why Dan was saying shine, which is a very random word to use. Is it Tuesday, by the way, not even Wednesday? Was it Tuesday? This is what I mean. I, I, my, my head's gone. Bank holidays. Bank holidays for you. Don't do this to you. Uh, right, let's end this abomination of a season and move into the news and there it is that's as good as it gets on this stage Nissan Townstar EV strikes again it's an unstoppable van unstoppable look just fantastic you can actually see the pro pilot technology in action effortless parallel parking it moves with all the confidence that comes with a five year warranty and with a bench full of all star van experts there's real strength in depth here that's all star quality search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all star van centre to see for yourself Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. 
Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So, kicking off the news, we have some uh, some under-15s news. Yes, some under-15s. Bloody hell, we're stretching it, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, anyone who was at the game versus QPR, final home game of the season, would have seen the Stoke under-15 side with their floodlit cup trophy parading around the, the ground at half-time uh, just before Bojan was sort of introduced onto the pitch. So there's quite a few people who probably saw that. Now they, that was the northern part. So there's a northern and a southern, a bit like the Johnston Paints Trophy, you know, the Football League Trophy. Um, so this Friday at the Pirelli Stadium, they play Crystal Palace in the super floodlit cup final. This is obviously to be crowned champions of the whole country. Now I know there's quite high ups for this this under fifteen group, and they had a pretty tough run to get to the uh, to win the northern area of uh, part of the tournament. Uh, but yeah, Friday seven pm they take on Crystal Palace at the Pirelli Stadium in Burton. So anyone who wants to go there, I know Stoke were taking their ticket requests, and I think there was a few hundred people that were allowed to get there. Um, so yeah, if you want to go. Look, so you, you, obviously, if you listen to this on day recording, you may still be able to get there. If not, if you've waited till Saturday, then unfortunately, just check the result because <laughs> it's been and gone. Uh, the under-18s, they rounded off their season by going away to bottom-of-the-table leads and suffered a 5-0 defeat. <laughs> oh, ouch. Uh, however, they did finish fifth in the table with 32 points from their 24 matches. So, not a bad season at all for the under-18s. I know they did finish with, I think it was seven games, the last seven games they didn't win any. Um, but I think what has happened, I mean, obviously I used to, from, from my time working there, what generally happens at Stoke more than other clubs is they will sort of, anyone who's not being kept on from the under-18s will disappear earlier and they will then bring through the under-16s into that group. And so so you could imagine, that obviously they're playing basically, a lot of under-16s would then be playing against teams under-18, 18-year-old players. So that's generally why results do drop off for Stoke. It's quite a historic thing at the end of the season because they are more sort of ruthless and thinking, well, we aren't keeping this player on. We may as well promote the the younger players who we are keeping. Uh, so yes, the uh, the under is like I say, lost to Leeds, finished fifth. Good season all round, to be honest. Um, in other news, the final two playoff places were taken by Coventry and Sunderland on the final day. I know Millwall. Gary Rowett did an absolutely wonderful job. <laughs> he always manages to get them so near yet finished so far, doesn't he? At Millwall, I think this is maybe the third time they've they've missed out on the last day, and they, I mean, this is better than any. There was three one up at half time against Blackburn, and then ended up throwing it away, losing four uh, three, missing out by one point. Blackburn incidentally missed out themselves on goal difference. And uh, it's Alex Neal's former club, Sunderland, who sneaked in with a 3-0 win at Preston to uh, say, um, to take that final sixth place. They'll play Luton. 
and uh, Coventry, who Coventry and Middlesbrough, who incidentally I was I was preparing something that we're going to do shortly um, to review the season, and nine games into the season, Middlesbrough and Coventry were both in the bottom three, and they'll now play each other in the playoffs. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I think um, I think Middlesbrough will win it as well. I mean, I know Luton. Are, I think Luton will do what they did last time and fail um, in the playoffs. I, I, I just, I just think Middlesbrough. You know, they've got a good setup, good manager. Um, they're on a roll. You know, they've been on a constant incline all season. Um, I think they'll do it. I think Coventry won't have enough. Um, yeah, Sunderland is nice of a story. It would be as their fans to get back-to-back promotions, I don't think they're going to have enough. So, yeah, for me, Dan, it's going to be Middlesbrough. I am I can't put my finger on who's going to win, but what I do think is, because sometimes in the playoffs, you've you've got teams who've made play, haven't you? And, you know, they, they, should have, they should have won the league, but they've ended up finishing fourth because they've absolutely, you know, mullered the last, eight games or something and you know, lost five of them you haven't got that here. you've got Sunderland who are banging form Coventry who've been banging form for 80% of the season Middlesbrough who've like say come from the to themselves in the relegation zone to right the way up the only thing is they possibly could be a bit like miffed that they haven't been able to catch Sheffield United towards the end and there are a few bad results recently or they could have just got that over the, out of the system now. And then Luton, Luton have just been Mr. Consistent, haven't they, all season long? I mean, they've yeah. only lost eight games. They just, like I say, they've only lost eight. Sheffield United went up in second after losing 11. So Luton are just consistent, consistent, consistent. Yes. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll, we'll soon see. I think whoever goes up is going to struggle. Um, Sunderland have got a very big fan base, so I think that will help them. Uh, to maybe get a bit of a siege mentality if they were, if they went up and they were at home. Uh, Millsborough obviously got a good fan base. Luton a garden shed um, type situation. So yeah. it would be funny to see, you know, Pep Guardiola take his the multi multi millionaire Man City players down to Luton, wouldn't it? And <laughs> at ground, that would be hilarious. We we could do with you know it being somebody you know Sunderland Middlesbrough possibly or even like say Luton because Sheffield United and Burnley you are too you know not not too far away are these you know, trips we've lost Blackpool and Wigan at the other end of the table as well so you know we, I think we've gained who've we gained from League One Plymouth and blooming Ipswich <laughs> and Southampton yeah, Southampton from the Premier League <laughs> great. There's going to be a few more miles on the clock next season, isn't there, at this rate? <laughs> There's Boxing Day, New Year's Day, and um, Christ, there'll be another one, Easter somewhere. Uh, there's your three fixtures, Stokies, for next year. Might as well get them booted. Maybe not next year, but the year after. Now, this news would help with that situation. Um, so the new, the new EFL TV deal has been announced. Uh, so it's been given the go-ahead. The clubs have unanimously voted uh, for it. It will see over a 1,000 games a season televised on Sky. Mm. The Championship will have five games every weekend televised. Uh, League One, League Two between them will also have five games on. Uh, it's, it's worth nearly a billion pounds as well over five years, which is double the previous deal. 
Um, so it seems to me Sky are going all in on, on the EFL football, possibly preparing themselves for losing some of the Premier League rights, I think, with a few of these streaming companies around. Do you think they're thinking we're not going to have as many Premier League matches as we've currently got going forward because I reckon Amazon or or even you know somebody like a Facebook or a Netflix might come in and and take a you know one of these one or two of these packages. So they are going making sure they've got plenty of football on by bumping more money into the EFL. It's a real it's a real danger I think for them. I think that's what they're thinking. You're right, and I think one one of the few things I'm trying to remember the actual. Um, article now because there's quite a lot of information in there but I think it's every midweek match is going to be available every it single is. one so it's um, all, and cup games as well is that right? Yeah so there's 1,059 EFL matches a season which is across the Championship League 1, League 2 every EFL Cup game every playoff game and every EFL trophy game will either be on the Sky channels or available on the red button. So if you don't want a, a midweek trip to Stevenage to watch us in round two or yep. whatever it is, yep. then don't worry about it. Sit at home and, and watch it. So I think they, they've also had to do that, Dan, because if they do obviously televise all these games, you know, the, the attendances are in Christ. You've seen the attendances we had last season um, against some of these lower league teams. I mean, that's going to be half again. We are, we're going to be talking potentially single digit um, attendances and they're going to have to pay the difference, which is what we're going to lose in, in gate receipts and merchandise and food and all that nonsense. Well, there's 552 championship matches over the course of a season. Three A minimum of 328 of them will be televised in this deal. So that, and it includes all opening day fixtures will be available on TV, will be televised. All final day fixtures every midweek fixture, every Boxing Day fixture, every New Year's Day fixture, every Easter Friday, Easter Monday fixture, plus any other bank holiday games will all be shown live. Jesus. That is basically, we're, we're giving you everything. <laughs> I mean, there's not yeah. much they aren't giving you there, is there? Which, I mean, it's great for the people who, I mean, let's be honest, it's great for the people who are living abroad. It's great for that because those people can't attend either way. So we're giving them much easier. And I guess what Sky Sports are thinking is that we're giving them a now a legal option to go and do that. So if we can just get a few more subscribers without those people wanting to faff around with streams or connection issues from dodgy streams. Dodgy Dave down the floor. Yeah, exactly. It's going to make Sky more money. So it's it, it's actually a very good idea from a business perspective. And the fans will see the games regardless. So, yeah, I, I, I like it, Dan. I think one thing it does do, though, is say bye-bye iFollow. Yes. Because there will be literally no need for a lot of clubs. They will, like, iFollow was brought in once and it gave, like, say, the fans abroad and that, and then obviously during the, the pandemic and everything when um, you you could stream games when you couldn't attend them, that was an opportunity for a company like them. They came in, they and they they made them they made the money that they at that time. But I think Sky now that'll see the end of it. There's, there's not a viable business model for them going forward. I wouldn't imagine uh, with the amount of games that Sky will be sharing. I think that obviously rounds up the news from outside the club. Now back to going inside. The retained list was very conveniently for once 
released just before we recorded this podcast, wasn't it? Just a few hours. So we've managed to get our um, our heads around it, and they, we've not retained much, have we? <laughs> no, good, good as well. I, I'm glad. Um, there's a few questionable ones, Dan, but yeah, I, I am not bothered. I think there's a lot of fans, and I've seen a lot of comments today saying good riddance to all of them. Um, I mean, we haven't kind of pre-planned this really, but is there a particular way you want to do this list? I mean, I've got it in front of me. So, Matthias Arkic returned to Wolves. Jack Bonham and Frank Fielding have been given new deals, new 12-month contracts. Correct me on any of these if I'm wrong, by the way. I might just jump in. <laughs> um Morgan Fox released. Axel Tonzebi has gone back to Manchester United. Phil Jagielka has been released. Ben Wilmot has been retained. Kiana Hoover has gone back to Wolves. Drew John Sterling has gone back to Chelsea. Uh, Connor Taylor has been retained. Sam Klukas has been released. Lewis Baker has been retained, as has Jordan Thompson. Will Smallbone has gone back to Southampton. Ben Pearson has gone back to Bournemouth. Bersan Celine has gone back to Dijon. Friends, was that where he was on loan from? Wherever he was on loan from, anyway. Nick Powell has been released, Joshua Loren has been retained, as has Jacob Brown, Tyrese Campbell, and Dwight Gale. The under 21, so Tommy Jackson, goalkeeper, has been released. Blondie has been retained, given a new contract. Um, Lewis McCarry's been offered a new contract. David Akagbu has been retained. Uh, just thinking of the ones who've been on the bench here for the involved with the first team. Uh, Gabriel Adebambo, he's on the first team, Monty. He's been released. Um, has as Dan Malone. Tom Sparrow has been retained. Jacob Holland Wilkinson, Douglas James Taylor have been released. Have you mentioned um, Tasha Oakley-Booth? Oh, yes, Tasha Oakley-Booth wasn't on my list. That, that's how far he'd fallen. Um, he's been yeah. released as well. <laughs> he's been released, as has Mario Vrancic, uh, DiMarco Dehaney, and Aidan Flint, who were all spent at least, at least the second half of the season out on loan. Bit, a bit of a list. Um, I mean, I've got a few questions, by the way, which I'll come back to in a minute. So people who have sent us questions in, I'll, I'll come back to it. I mean, looking at that list, so let me just take the first first lot, Dan, um, that you kind of mentioned in a different order. So Sam Klukas, not bothered. Uh, I just You don't have to go into any, any detail, but for me, not bothered. Happy to see him go. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dehaney, yeah. Point, yeah. Not pointless, yeah, but no, no use. Aidan Flint, as far as I was concerned, I forgot all about him. He was already gone. So happy to see him go. Morgan Fox, interesting one. Pre this season, I would have said, do one, never want to see you again. Part of me doesn't want to see him again, but part of me is like, if we have an injury crisis, could we do an awful lot worse as a very distant backup? I, it, it, I think there's a very split fan base on this one um, because he's a very average defender at best. Um, and I don't, I, know, I don't mean to dig into him, but he is very average. But it, 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 would you have retained him even as a backup, Dan? Or do you think it's the right decision to let him go? I'm surprised he's gone. Like personally, I think we need better. I think as a backup, yeah. though, he potentially could have filled. Yeah, you know, he can fill in a left centre back in a three. He's shown that he can do a decent job in a two on the left. He's a left-footed defender as well. That's not you know there aren't a million of them 
flying about, aren't they? Um, and at left back, he can do a solid defensive job, but doesn't offer much going forward. What really is a damning, I think I messaged this earlier, it's a damning indictment of this season and the performance of this squad is that since Alex Neal come in, Morgan Fox has played 3,282 minutes, which is more than any other player in the squad. The only player who comes near is Ben Wilmot. And to think that Morgan Fox has, like I say, played what? Uh, nearly three games more than the next next nearest player to him in terms of minutes in the whole squad during Alex Neal's reign. And yet, at the end of the season, Stoke have gone, we're not offering you a contract. Now, that that tells me that, that you know, just how bad this season's been that somebody who's played so much is, I don't know if valued so little as, as being harsh, um, but just, like I say, so easily cast aside, if you like, and not not even sort of offered a deal kind of thing. They've just gone, no. Well, for all you know, he hasn't been offered a deal. What if they offered him a deal and they said, we'll give you five grand a week, take it or leave it? I, I don't, the, the, just the way, the way I read it, the wording sort of said, like, that he hadn't been offered, the, you know, those players who were left hadn't been offered. But like you say, you, you'll probably never know the... Uh, ins and outs of it all, will we? <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, moving on. Phil Jagielka. Um, um, I think it's I think the right you're... decision. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll, again, we won't go into War and Peace. We'll talk about this next week, but right, yeah. right decision. Uh, um, Tashano Kabooth, again, he's who? not up to it. Yeah, who exactly? Clearly not up to it. He's not exactly done anything anywhere he's gone. He's injured half the time, so unfortunately, one of those Spurs players who was highly sought after or in, and highly regarded, like all the Man City and Chelsea loanies that they have, and then half of them go and do nothing. So another one of them, a controversial one for some, for me and John. Yes, this is for you, my friend, uh, Nick Powell. Uh, again, I aren't going to go into this. Anyone who's listened for more than a week will know we are both pro Nick Powell, but a bit Nick Powell. And the fact that he can't do that means it's absolutely 1,000% the correct decision. Nick Powell cannot offer us enough consistently to warrant a new deal. Here's your play deals. As much as I've seen that, do not exist. Like that is, it just doesn't happen. And he'll also probably end up at a, a Wigan or I don't know where, but he, I, I would be shocked, Dan. If Nick Powell is with the Championship Club next season, um, would surprise me if, say, I don't know, um, a Plymouth maybe, or you know, whoever comes out, whoever comes up in the playoffs in League One, you know, it's just maybe Sheffield Wednesday, who you know, big fan base, potentially got you know a decent budget for a promoted side, can mm. can afford to take a risk on him, on his wages and whatever. That wouldn't surprise me if that happened. Um, for me, more than anything, I think this this run of games he's just had, to me, I, I can't... I, even more than his fitness, I don't see where he fits into an Alex Neal side. No. Um, I don't think he's got the... I don't think he's got the style and the ability to play how Neil wants his front players to play. I don't think he can press. I think that's why Gale, seem, you know, our best performances 
um, game, you know, that that run of games there was with Gale in the middle, wasn't he? And he wasn't for what Gale was doing with the ball as much as what he was doing without it. And I don't think, like I say, that Powell's got that in, that side of his game. I don't think he's capable of doing that. And, no, absolutely and, not. We've seen that that's his game, isn't it, for Alex Neal? He's, he's not going to do what Will Smallbow's done either, is he? Because in the midfield, you know, you've got you've got your Pierce and you've got your small bone, each with a very specific role to play. And obviously, obviously, he's not a box-to-box midfielder, so he's not Josh Loren. He's not a ball winner. He's not a destroyer like Pearson. But you know, the only role that out of the three that you potentially thought he may be able to do will be the creativity and the spark of small bone. But again, small bone's effort and his legs and the fact that Alex Neal refers to that so much and you know, the energy that small bone has shows you that that's the attributes he's looking for. And, and again, I, he, I don't think he's got it. So as much as his fitness and his injuries and that, and as gifted as a footballer he is, and the great memories that he's given Stoke fans over the last few years, you know, top scorer, player of the season, I, I don't think he fits into this manager's way of doing things. So that, that ultimately, is for me, is why he's not been offered a new deal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, we haven't we haven't got time for people who just slowly mope around the pitch. We haven't got the Anatovich type um, swagger uh, in us that that's not going to work. You're spot on there, Dan. And then a few I will kind of uh, just a couple I wanted to bring out. You're welcome to bring up any more, but um, I think the ones that have really surprised people and yeah, surprised me um, with one of them, the goalkeeping unit. I mean, Blondie. <laughs> You know what? With Blondie, I all we've heard from like we had that review from the loan and stuff like that. He seems to have gone on a couple of loans and done absolutely nothing and not been able to break through. I would be shocked if he finds himself in a position where he will ever play a first team game for this club. But you can say the same, Dan, about Frankie Fielding. The guy's not kicked a ball in anger and he's got a new deal. So before we talk about Jack Bonham, let's break down those two. Frankie Fielding and Blondie, what's the thinking there? Um, interesting one with Blondie. Obviously, amazingly, in the national squad previously, so he must have something about him somewhere. But I think I'm wondering whether that obviously Bonham, Bonham, I think is going to be number two, or you know, he's going to be the competition for the number one. Now, Frank Fielding, a lot of people I've say have said about, you know, why is he getting a new deal? Now, for me, Bonham's still quite inexperienced at this level. Um, depending on who the targets are, if it's Sarkic, even if it's a Daniel Everson from Leicester, they haven't got mountains of championship experience, have they? they are, you know, they're not sort of 30 years old or 32 years old and got, you know, a few hundred championship games under the belt. You're talking, you know, probably hundred max for each, either of them, if 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 you were anywhere near that. So, somebody like a Fielding, you know, is he 35, 36 now? He's been, he, you know, he's played hundreds and hundreds of games at this level. And if you've got two, if your number one, number two keepers are inexperienced at the level you're playing at, you want an older head as your number three. Because you do not need three goalkeepers who all expect to be playing 
because there's only one keeper who's going to play. And we've seen previously, we've seen with Alex Neal, what happens if you keep swapping and changing your keeper? You want a settled person in between the sticks. Ideally, someone who's going to play you 40-plus games a season. So if you think you want the same person with the gloves on every week, what are number two and three going to be doing? Well, if number two and three are both expecting to be getting regular game time, you've got a problem. What you need is you need a number two who's to challenge number one, and you need a number three who's capable of stepping in at short notice in an emergency. Like, say, say one keeper's got injured and the other keeper gets sent off 20 minutes into the game on Tuesday. You need someone who can come in, experience, right, got got an hour here with 10 men, nil knots, martial defence. So you need someone with a bit of experience who can do that. But at the same time, is at the stage of their career where they're happy to pass on their knowledge and aren't expected to be playing. Frank Fielding is that. Do you do you think another reason for this um is as simple as we've got enough to do in the summer. So you know Bonham will do as a backup. Fielding is as you said as the number three let me concentrate on getting my number one goalkeeper and I'll settle for the other two so I can focus yeah. on the rest of the team. Do you think it could be as even as simple as that? Yeah. Bon- I mean, Bonham- to get three goalkeepers as well as everything else we need is a big ask. Exactly, yeah. Bonham, the thing is, he knows what she's going to get with Bonham. And like I say, Bon at the minute, Bonham's got a seal into his work. But to be fair to him, in recent times, he's been he's not been throwing him in his own net, has he? He's been, he's been doing all right. He's been doing steady. Okay, fair enough. Um, moving on to the questions, Dan, because we've had about four or five in, or let's say questions slash comments. Um, so Rory says, we've got an option to bring one of the retained players back. Who are you why? bringing and why? I like this question. Yeah, I did. Um, so basically, uh, your choices here are Nick Powell and Morgan Fox. Let's, let's, let's be honest. I can't see you going for any others. So so these are the, so not the, not counting loanies here. These are just players who've... Out of contract, are they? And have gone. Yeah, I think so. I think that's what she might be getting at. But let, let's treat it as that. Is in the ones we've released. Which one of the would you come back? Yeah, I think it would have to be Morgan Fox. I think for me, I think yeah. like I say, Nick Powell doesn't quite fit in. As much as great time as I've, I've, I've had watching Nick Powell on a Stoke shirt, and I think he's still think he's one of the most gifted players in the division. He, uh, let's say, I don't think he suits where the direction we're going now. Um, Morgan Fox, Morgan. yeah, I think he's. I think just as a reward for his improvements, I would bring him back if uh, to bring anyone back. But Agreed. for me, I think Stoke have got. I think the Stoke have got pretty much spot on. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Mark Wilson says, who is this Frankie Fielding character? <laughs> uh, has anyone ever actually seen him? Does he even exist? Maybe he's the real-life invisible man. How does he get a contract extension when I doubt he's ever kicked a ball? Uh, we've basically just covered the reason why. Um, <laughs> and Dave says, a bit of experience to have around the keepers, isn't it? feel like our goalkeepers have gone to SH1T since Andy uh, Kai left for the goalkeeping staff. Yeah, it was a, 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 big, um, a big loss he was. Uh, Jez Clay, uh, perhaps we feel we get a fee for Bonham. Not sure. I get you thinking. Not sure. Uh, John Oldfield says, I'm, I'm sure Stokey Stockers hasn't got nothing to say about Nick Powell going. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you just did that, John. I said uh, and you did that especially for you, mate. Um, and then the final one was uh, James saying, three keepers retained slash offered new contracts, and not one of them should seriously be anywhere near the first 11. 
uh, it would be interesting of those that remain, how many are on the transfer list? Baker, question mark, Timon, question mark, no mention of Tom Edwards either. So yeah, in terms of like Tom Edwards, I think that's a very good good point. I think Tom Edwards I'd like to see back. Uh, he's he's Mr. Versatile, which isn't a bad thing in this division. Um, and also on top of that, to be honest, he's he's a good, solid attacking right wing back potentially. I think he could very much be merged into that position, a bit like Josh Timon was was turned into a left wing back. I think there's definitely a scope for that there. So um, I like the thought about Tom Edwards coming back. I know he's enjoying his time out. Uh, at the minute, so maybe he doesn't want to come back. It depends on the conversation Alex Neal's had with him. I know when he went on loan originally, it was to go out and prove himself to hopefully come back and do a job for us. Obviously, injury kind of impacted that. So be interesting to see what happens with uh, Mr. Edwards, I think. Yeah, I, I can see him coming back. Um, like it's it's pre season. Yeah, he wants. You know, at the end of the day, he's, he's a Stoke fan, and I imagine the the issues that he may have had before, the people who maybe the reasons why he was out on loan was obviously the manager who's, who's no longer here. Um, Alex Neal's got enough of a job on over the summer, getting players in. If he can, if he can uh, fill one of his wide positions in defence with, or at least an option for that for that area. Uh, without spending a penny, and who you know knows the club and and, and that, then then he'd be daft, he'd be daft not to as long as as long as Tom's you know fit and focused and and ready to go. Is it time to review the season, Mike? Yes, briefly, please, Dan. Briefly, <laughs> we'll keep it brief. So yes, I've got some stats for you. So obviously, right now we usually be previewing the game, won't we? So I thought let's usually start off with stats. Would you like some statistics, Mike, on the season we've just finished? Um, I'm not sure I'd say I'd like them. But, um, <laughs> go on, <laughs> don't depress us too much. Please try and find some silver lining if there's a magical one to find, please. So first of all, I'm going to throw in player of the season. So for this podcast, player of the season. Uh, top 10, Jack Bonham finished 10th, 327. Joint 8th was Sterling and Gale. Jagielka was 7th. Brown was 6th. Fox was 5th. Campbell was 4th. Loren sneaked 3rd towards the end of the season. Will Smallbone was 2nd. And the winner was Ben Wilmot, who finished 42 points clear with 599. So well done to Ben. Uh, most minutes this season, Ben Wilmot also topped that at 3,535. Morgan Fox, 3,462. Smallbone, 3,299. Brown, in fourth, 3,070. And Lewis Baker was fifth with 2,965. Uh, interestingly, under Alex Neal, Fox and Wilmot switched over. So Fox was number one, Wilmot was two. Smallbone was third. Campbell was fourth. And Josh Loren was fifth. Uh, under Alex Neal uh, most appearances this season that went to Lewis Baker 47 most goals were scored by Campbell and Brown with 9 in all competitions uh, Campbell's being the top league scorer with 9 um, Baker also scored 8 and most most assists was Campbell, Gale, Smallbone and Baker who all got 5 in the championship uh, we finished on 53 points, which is our lowest championship total since 2002-2003 when Tony Pulis rescued us uh, to keep us up on the final day after we beat Reading. Uh, 
It's the first time in five years we've not improved on the previous season's points total. Uh, the longest unbeaten run this season was five, which was through March. Twice we lost three games in a row whilst we had back-to-back wins on two occasions as well. 12 home league losses is the most since what year, Mike? The 80s. Yes, since the 1984-85 season, when we've lost 15 home games, including losing, which was actually 31 of 42 games we lost, to finish with a record low total of 17 points. A then record, shall I say. We've since beaten it, thank God. (laughs) We had only three home clean sheets all season. Uh, We scored three or more, though, in four away games. Uh, which was only bettered in the last 20 years by the uh, 2007-2008 season when we did that six times. Uh, and eight away wins was also um, the, was also bettered in 2007-2008 and 2005-2006 with 10 away wins. So the third highest total this century. So a bit of a mixed bag. Away was definitely better than at home, um, in considering for this club anyway. In its recent form, um, yeah. So some interesting stats there, Mike. Anything that you want to pick out? Um, I think you said these said Lewis Bakers had the most appearances. Did I really, really hear that right? Forty-seven. Yes. How, mate? That doesn't feel right, though, does it? Like it feels as if he's been out of the squad for like six months. I think a lot um, of them came off the bench. He only missed three games mm-hmm. all season. Yeah, surprising. Shows how much of an impact he's had. If I didn't even re- really recognise he was on the pitch, I think he's had a really poor season. Um, he missed the Birmingham away game, West Brom at home, which was towards the end of the season. Um, actually, he missed. He's only missed a couple of games, Baker. But I think a lot of them, especially recently, have been been off the bench, haven't they? I think he's made what three, six, nine. Nine out of his last ten appearances have been off the bench. So yeah, fourteen of his last sixteen. So yeah, I think. I'd say, although a lot of appearances, he's probably not really anywhere near the top starter, shall we say. Yeah, and I think the rest of the stats have just been, um, wow, just abysmal really, haven't they? I mean, we've broken records for the wrong reasons. Um, I think we just need to try and put the season behind us, go into the summer and just wipe memories, to be honest with you. I mean... Stoke are going to have to sign some big players in the summer to get people to buy those season tickets. Uh, it's a tough sell, probably the, the toughest sell we've had since we before we were originally promoted, to be honest with you. Um, well, maybe even as far back as Tony Pulis' days before he came in and rescued mm-hmm. us. I, I would probably argue that's probably been the hardest since then, which is a, a bloody good achievement for Alex Neal in his first season. <laughs> On the subject of Baker, one watch one final thing there. I, I mean, he there top assists Baker. You know, only one off being top goal scorer. Yet everyone seems to have written him off and said what a really poor season he's had. Well, he has. I mean, I know, I know you could say that the, the assists and stuff like that, but I'd probably say that that's obviously earlier on in the season, and he's been a complete flop since. I mean, I like Baker. I, I like his attitude most of the time, and. I think he is. I think he is a talented player. I think he can be a really good player. Um, I think we're still one of them scenarios where, in this current Alex Neal team, where is his best position? He's certainly no holding player. We've seen that. 
So is he capable of playing that you know that small bone role? Um, I don't think he's got the engine that small bones got, personally, um, or, or consistently rather than probably I'll probably more say he has got some pace about him, but I'm just not sure where he plays. Maybe the Josh Loren role if you know if, if he's injured. Um, it's tricky. I, I'd like to see him played with Loren. I think I've been saying this for a while. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, I'd like to see him and Loren played ahead of a proper defensive midfielder like Pearson. And I am a bit gutted, to be honest. I am very much behind Alex Neal. Um, but the stuff with the youth and also the... the I feel he's wasted the last six games, I'll be honest. But he's he's now got the summer to, to prove me wrong and prove that he wasn't wasting it and he had a grand plan in place all along. <laughs> right. What we're going to do now, because we thought... I sat here, I messaged it into Mark that I've got a great plan to do a season review because it can get very repetitive, it'll be very miserable, and it'll leave people feeling very, very downbeat if we go in depth and review this season. Because it, it has been one thing that is repetitive. We've had repetitive 1 0 defeats at home. I think we've had about we've had eight of them, <laughs> seven or eight of them. Um Every game seems to have been pretty much as well as say every game. Two thirds of the game seem to be pretty similar. We have loads of the ball, we don't do anything with it, and then we get hit, sucker punched on the counter attack. So we thought, why don't we combine that getting a season review done with a quiz? We had fifty games. I've got a quiz here, a question on every game for Mike. Now Mike said. Can you make the multiple choice? I said not a problem. So that's what we've done. Each so, question okay. you've got you've got fifty five zero to ask five zero questions. Mate, we'll make we'll make them quick fire then, Ross. They are quick fire. Okay, no yes. thinking time then. Quick fire, instant reaction. Okay, fine. So yes, fifty questions, one on each game, and you've got three potential answers for each one. If you know the answer, you can just shout it out. If you don't you know if you don't want to wait for the question, if you don't want to wait for the answers, shout it out straight away, okay? Okay. So question number one, we lost 2-0 at Millwall on the opening day to two goals from from the son of which former Stoke player? Cresswell, Hall or Cutler? Creswell. Creswell, correct. Uh, Stoke got off the mark with a 2-0 home win versus Blackpool, while which on loan player scored our opening goal of the season. Was Smallbone, Fossu or Clark? Clark. It was Harry Clark, back post. Coming out of the back post, he was. Our League Cup campaign ended at the first hurdle with a penalty shootout defeat at Morecambe. Who missed the penalty that saw Stoke KO'd? Was it A. Jagielka, B. Fox or C. Klukas? Fox. It was Morgan Fox. We lost 3-1 at Huddersfield. At 0-0, Baker missed a penalty. Who hit the post with the rebound? Was it Baker again? Was it Brown or Campbell? Brown. It was Jacob Brown. Oh, and a run. Come on. <laughs> Who scored an injury time equaliser to draw us level at 2 2 at home to Middlesbrough? Was it DiMaggio Rat Phillips, Tyrese Campbell, or Nick Powell? DiMaggio. It was DiMaggio. 
who scored the only goal as Alex Neal led and Alex Neal led Sunderland beat Michael O'Neill Stoke one 0 at the bet three six five. Jack Clark, Ellie Sims, or Ross Stewart? Sims. It was Ross Stewart. Oh, between the two, bloody hell, yes. Um, who was in charge as we beat Blackburn 1-0 at Ewood Park was it Michael O'Neill's final game Alex Neal's first game or Dean Holden's game as caretaker manager oh Holden it was Dean Holden another home midweek game this time against Swansea needed another last minute equaliser to avoid defeat but who got this one was it Campbell Baker or Brown Campbell it was Tyrese Campbell doing very well you're 7 out of 8 so far surprised me yeah okay <laughs> uh, question number 9 we lost 2-1 at Reading whose attempted clearance ended up putting into his own netting of the Royals a second minute lead was it Ben Wilmot Morgan Fox or Aidan Flint Aidan Flint it was that was when uh, Lucas Yao Jack Bonham went roaring out of his area, didn't he? And then he, he, Aiden Flint's like, no, I've got this covered, lads. Oh, no, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what a shambles that was. <laughs> um, who played a part in all three goals in the 3 0 win at Hull? Jacob Brown, Ben Wilmot, or Lewis Baker? I think it was Baker. Baker, it was. Baker got two goals and also it was his uh, free kick that Ben Wilmot headed in for his goal. Uh, how many saves did Man of the Match Joe Persick make in our nil-nil draw away at QPR? Was it five, eight or 11? Lucky how. Um, five. It was five. <laughs> well done. Watford won 4 0 at the Bet365 Stadium. They'll be the first team to score four goals against us there since which year? 2015, 2017, or 2019? 15. 2017, it was Chelsea on our way to a relegation. Beat us 4 0. A. A fighting defensive display saw us get a 1-1 draw at Turf Moor. How many corners did Burnley have in that match? 10, 12 or 15? I couldn't have asked me who scored the goal, but it wasn't Harry Clark from a header. Um, yeah. I'm going to go 15, but I think it might be 12. Go 15. Yes, it's 15. Uh, who got a first-half goal and assist in the 3-1 defeat of Sheffield United? Liam Delap, Phil Jagielka or Lewis Baker? Jagielka? It was. Jagielka crossed the ball um, for the first goal, which was scored by Wilmot, and then headed in the second off a corner. A win at Preston saw us at our highest league position of the season. Where was that position? Was it ninth, tenth, or eleventh? Tenth. Eleventh. Oh. The highest we got all season long. How many shots did we have in the one nil home loss to Rotherham? Twenty two, twenty six, or twenty nine? Twenty nine. Twenty nine. Twenty nine shots and lost one nil. <laughs> so so a little pitch up so far so you've currently got 13 out of 16 third of the way I'll through take that. 
So, question 17. Gustavo Hamer returned from four weeks out to set up a goal and score one himself as Coventry beat us at the Bet365 Stadium. Why had he been out? A, he fell over the cat. B, he went AWOL in his native Brazil. Or C, he was suspended for picking up two red cards in the first few months of the season. I think it was the red card. He was. He was sent off twice in the first few games. So that's why he got a big, long ban. Question 18. Which loanee, who shares his name with a former Premier League player, scored twice as Norwich beat us 3-1 at Carrow Road? Jason Lowe and Ramsey or Rule Fox? Ramsey. It was, of course, it was Aaron Ramsey. That was a nice, easy one. <laughs> Who made his first start of the season away at Wigan in a 1 0 win? Harry Souter, Josh Tymon, or Nick Powell? I think it was Nick Powell. It was Nick Powell. Which former Stoke player opened the scoring in Birmingham's 2-1 win at the Bet365 Stadium? Ryan Shotton, John Eustace or Scott Hogan? Hogan. Yes, that's an easy one as well. I'm trying <laughs> to think of Stoke players with Birmingham links. <laughs> Who assisted both goals in the Potters' 2-0 win over Luton? Josh Tymon, Jacob Brown or Morgan Fox? Tymon. It was Morgan Fox drifting forward from left centre-back. Two crosses in the first half. Uh, West Bromwich Albion beat Stoke 2-0 to do what in the table heading to the World Cup? Go top, go into the playoff positions or get out of the relegation zone? Top. Go top? No, it moved them out of the relegation zone. Oh, really? Okay. In the bottom three in November, yes. Uh, question 23, Stokes 2-2 draw with Cardiff was their first game in how many days due to the World Cup? 22, 25 or 28? 22. 28. Oh, wow. Yeah, so four weeks we went without a game. Seems so long ago now, doesn't it? It does, yeah. <laughs> um, question 24 Liam Delap opened the scoring in the 2-1 win at Bristol City the assists coming from Tyrese Campbell but which part of his body did it hit his head his back or his thigh thigh I think it was his back was it yeah so he was running and he was like grappling with the defender he was trying to like oh, muscle the defender yeah. and it hit in his back and just fell fell into the lap's path. Yeah, um, I remember. Uh, our 2-2 Boxing Day draw at Rotherham saw both sides score an own goal. Which Stoke player put through their own net? Was it Harry Clark, Jordan Thompson or Tariq Fosu? Fosu? It was Jordan Thompson. Oh, buddy, I'm, I'm not going down now, Dan. I've been so well. If the World Cup's done it for you, this this you like Stoke. The World Cup, we've been <laughs> lost everything since then. Uh, who returned to the midfield after missing eight games for the home loss to Burnley in December? Jordan Thompson, Will Smallbone, or Josh Loren? Loren. It was Josh Loren. Uh, which on what minute did Preston score the only goal of the game in our meeting on the 2nd of January? The 1st, the 87th or the 93rd? Mm, 87th. 
it was the 93rd minute they scored as a, a looping header back post. Mm, yes, one of those sucker defeats. Was that? Oh, yeah, 1 0 home defeat. Oh, yes. How surprising. <laughs> Who made their first team debut in the FA Cup win at Hartlepool? Nathan Lowe, Luis Macari, or Emre Tescal? Emre? No, Emre made his debut last season. It was Luis Macari. Okay. Uh, who played the last game? Who played their last game for Stoke in the three-one defeat at Sheffield United? There was two players. Harry Souter was one, and was it Liam Delap, Harry Clark, or Tariq Fosu? Liam Delap, Harry Clark. Oh. Delap and Fosu had already been shipped back to their clubs by then, apparently. Yes, Clark was one of the last survivors of the Lonies. <laughs> um. Dwight Gale opened his Stoke account in the 4-0 win at Reading. Now, I'm not going to ask you what part of his anatomy he scored with, because that's too easy. But when was his previous goal? December 2019, December 20, or December 21? Oh, 20. Yep, December 20. So who made the fir- who made the first of their four starts for the club? Within the 3 1 win over Stevenage? Was it Bersant Salina, Axel Twanzebe, or Sarkic? Salina. It was Salina. Uh, question 32. Uh, we were back down to earth with a 1 0 loss at Luton. Now, what minutes did we get our first shot on target? The 44th, the 55th, or the 66th? I'm trying to go typical Stoke, the 66th. Yeah, it was the 66th minute. Oh, uh, Stoke, Stoke and Hall played out a goalless draw. When did the Tigers last win at the at the Bet365 Stadium? 2006, 2010 or 2020? Mm, 20. 2006. Oh, really? Okay. Okay, so we are 33 questions in, uh, and you have scored 24 so far, so not bad at all, not bad at all, 24 from 33. So we're in the home run now. This, I'm sure, I hope you're enjoying this brief and <laughs> quick quiz. Uh, like, could have been a lot of ways, mate, if we'd sat down and gone through all the bloody games. <laughs> but, uh, question 34. Jags scored his second of the season in the 3 0 win over Huddersfield off a corner taken by who? Lewis Baker, Josh Tymon, Will Smallbone? Smallbone? It was. Uh, Blackpool beat us 1 0 despite only having one shot on target and 31% possession. How many shots did Stoke have? 25. 25. It's a bit of a common thing coming here, isn't there? <laughs> Uh, who scored a brace to turn around the game away at Swansea and help us to a 3 0 win? Jacob Brown, Josh Laurent, or Dwight Gale? Oh, Jacob? It was Josh Laurent. Uh, question 37 Who gave the ball away for Zian Fleming's only goal of the home defeat to Millwall? Um, was it Ben Wilmot? Was it Dujon Sterling? Or was it Ben Pearson? 
Oh, uh, Wilma. I don't know. It was Pearson. You got you lost it on the halfway line. Yeah, I, I nearly said Pearson. I, I don't know why I doubted Wilmot, to be honest. Yeah. Um, question thirty-eight: Which Premier League team knocked Stoke out the FA Cup at the fifth round stage? Brentford, Brighton, or Fulham? Brighton. It was Brighton. Question thirty-nine: We won five nil on Alex Neal's return to the stadium alive. All six goals were scored in a what minute period? Thirty-five minute period, forty minute period, or forty-five minute period? Thirty-five. Yep, all six goals came within thirty-five minutes of each other. Uh, question forty: Key Yana Hoover first half double helped. Uh, secure the points in a 3-2 home win over Blackburn. His career league goals before that game was a total of A0, B1 or C2? Two. Zero. He'd never oh, really? Scored yeah, he'd scored one game, one goal in the League Cup and that was it. Never scored oh. any, any other else. Uh, question 41. The 1-1 draw at the Riverside saw Tuba Atpom score the what goal at the Riverside? One thousandth, two thousandth, or five thousandth goal. One thousandth. It was one thousandth. Uh, which ex Stoke keeper pulled off eight saves to secure a point in a goalless draw versus Norwich? Angus Gunn, Ben Foster, or Dan Batman? Angus Gunn. It was Angus Gunn. Stoke's last win of the season was a four-nil win away at Coventry. How many games unbeaten were the Sky Blues before that match? Seven, nine, or eleven? Eleven, nine. Uh, a two-one home loss to Bristol City pretty much ended the season competitively. Who gave Stoke the lead in that match? Jacob Brown, Ben Wilmot, or Nick Powell? Brown. It was Nick Powell. Oh, a, a Campbell first-time cross, and he side-footed it into the top corner, uh, playing up front. Question forty-five: How many shots on target were there? Altogether in the goalless draw between Stoke and Birmingham. One, two, or three? One. Three. Oh, really? Uh, not as bad as you remembered it. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I remember it was pretty abysmal, I think, but yeah. Uh, question 46. Ben Pearson picked up our only red card of the season versus West Brom. Boo. Boo. His second, <laughs> his second yellow card followed him twice throwing the ball at which West Brom player? Grant, Chalabar, or Furlong? Oh, I think it was Grant. Furlong. Oh, was he? Right back. Is yeah. He just can't... Oh, yeah. Uh, right, question 47. How many changes did Alex Neal make for the 1-0 home loss to Wigan? 5, 6, or 7? 6. 6, it was. Uh, our last goal is Cardiff in a 1-1 draw. Who scored it? Tyrese Campbell, Will Smallbone, or Josh Loren? Uh, Ka- um, Campbell. It was Josh Loren off the uh, cor- uh, corner. Oh, of course it was the header. Yeah. Yes. Uh, question forty-nine. Only two left now, mate. How many second half added time minutes was was awarded in the one 0 loss to QPR in the final home game of the season? Seven, eight, or nine? Nine. Nine to much groans from the people who were still there. Nine, nine more minutes of this, really. 
That's what was being said. And the 50th and final question, how many of the start 11 versus Watford are still going to be contracted to the club come July the 1st? Four, five or six? Four. Four indeed. The four players who they were looking for were Jordan Thompson, Josh Tymon, Josh Loren and Tyrese Campbell. Uh, so, yes, not bad there, mate. Not bad at all. I think you've done very well. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean I'm more than happy with that. Uh, whatever it ends up being, like, it's, it's, it's strange how I remembered a lot of the really early games in comparison to post-Christmas. Um, not sure why that is, but... Yeah, I'll take it. I, I, I reckon I'm on like 32, 33, I think. About 30, 34. Oh. 34 out of 50. That's 68%. That's, a, that's an A, isn't it? That's an A. It's GCSE, A level, whatever. Oh, it's successful in this team anyway. So. Yeah. Well, um, um, if anyone has done that and they've, you know, they've actually followed it through to the end, please let us know what score you got. Um I think it'd be great just to see how how other people and be honest. Don't try and beat me and say thirty five just so you can see how you beat me. <laughs> I, th- I think what we do we combine. People said they love quizzes, so why not throw one of them in? It beats. It's a nice, short and sharp. Move quickly through the fifty matches. <laughs> Everything's covered. We can now park season two thousand and twenty two twenty three in a box padlock it never to be let out and talked about again how's that sounds brilliant right people we will be back we've got a full schedule every friday throughout the summer we will be releasing something where we mark we are not uh, leaving you this year. I know we did last summer. We had a bit of a quiet time. We've decided we've got some stuff. Uh, we've got a very uh, interesting interview coming up that we've now recorded and uh, we're just waiting to release. Would you like a little snitch? Do you think we should give them a little teaser of it, Mark? Should we, just, should we drop a little clip in now? Just a tiny one. Go on, Go on then. I... Uh knew when I tried to stand up when I was on the pitch that something was bad because it was like the worst pain I've ever felt in my life um, and like I can't even describe it it was it was so bad um, but then once I had the scans I had the original x-ray and they said that it was all fine um, but then I went on to have a CT scan as well and that's where it showed up that there was a little fracture in there um, so obviously when you hear the word fracture you immediately think it's going to be like a hefty length of time but luckily because it was just a small one um the time frame was about six to eight weeks so yes that will be landing uh so not that will be the next podcast that comes out it'll be the one after next week will be a squad review and like i say we're going to said earlier we're going to get some voices in um some of the voices you hear on this podcast all the time we're going to sit down going to go through the squad see what we need chuck some players in um, who we'd like to see the club target over the summer Uh, like I say put a bit of a shopping list for Alex Neal together and go from there and then like I say you've just heard in there what Ben Wilmot uh, in his conversation his interview that he had with me and Mike will be out the week after Um, so yeah towards the end of May and then, like I said, there's various things throughout the summer. 
Um, we've got lined up. We've got some more interviews, haven't we, that we lined up, Mike, as well. Past players and other things as well. Uh, we've got uh, sort of best of things that we've started putting together. We've had a, a bit of a... A bit of a laugh, aren't we, putting them together? I know we were trying to get them out earlier on the season, but it's, it's to believe it or not, it's quite a lot of work going through uh, 100-odd podcasts and <laughs> picking out certain things. Um, so, yeah, so obviously we, we're going to work hard to make sure that every Friday through the summer you've got something you can listen to to us. And uh, before you know it, it will be the uh, middle of June and we'll be sitting down and talking about the fixtures that have been released. So basically, we know that a lot of you aren't automatically subscribed. You just basically log into your apps and stuff every single week manually. Um, don't do that. Just literally subscribe. It's going to make your life so much easier. Uh, make sure you're following us on the Facebook page, the Twitter page. Um, you know, again, that we've got the, the the website. We've got various other things. So really, you you don't need to miss a single thing. So just make sure you sign up, and you'll get notified every single time. Um, and at least it'll be positive. You know, the interview, it won't be about how miserable that week's game's been. It'll be all fun and happy stuff, which is, uh, well, makes a change. <laughs> it does. Um, but yes, I say this season's over. Let's park it now. Fun times ahead. Chance for a rebuild. Interviews coming from us. Um, fun, like I say, that, that's why we're going to be put a smile on your face uh, forget this season let's look forward Stokies and we shall see you next week away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for McDonald's maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery order now on the McDonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonalds.com and there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.